Good to have each of you out this morning. Has the Lord been good to you this week? Amen. Let me just ask you a question. Is He good to you every week? Is He good to you every day? And what makes us think that He's not going to be good to us tomorrow? I mean, we can't measure His goodness by how much money we have in the bank, and we can't measure His goodness by always how we feel, Judy, or we can't measure His... We measure His goodness over... You know, He would always tell the children of Israel, remember where you've come from. Remember where I brought you from. Remember, and let's always remember he's out there ahead of us and he's taking us somewhere. And, you know, it's like I told a group at a funeral I did the other day, uh, Thursday, I think it was. I told them, I said, God's going to pursue you until he gets you. He's going to get you to the place he wants you to be. He's always going to pursue us and continue to pursue us to get us where he wants us. If you have your Bibles this morning, uh, I'm trying to think of where the scripture's from. I'm going to say it's in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, and I'll find some verses that go with that. 1 Corinthians 9, and the rest of the scripture doesn't come to me, but I've got it written down here at the top of the page. So while you're looking up 1 Corinthians 9, and it's going to be verses 20 through 23. 1 Corinthians 9, 20 through 23. And I'll look one more time to make sure I'm not telling you 1 Corinthians and then I read from 2 Corinthians because I have been known to do that, but I just almost guarantee you I'm not the first preacher that's ever done that. So I've actually just, one time I was... It's not been too long ago I gave a scripture because I had it written down that way. Well, I just went ahead and read it from where I had it marked in my Bible. It wasn't even close. Later, somebody said, what was that second scripture you read? I never could find it. And then you know the, what the bad thing was? I couldn't remember where I read it from either, so I had to go home and look for it. Okay, this is the Apostle Paul writing to the church at Corinth. And we're beginning in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 20. He says like this, when I was with the Jews, I lived like a Jew to bring the Jews to Christ. When I was, was with those who follow the Jewish law, I too lived under the law. Even though I'm not subject to the law, I did this so I could bring to Christ those who, under the, who are under the law. When I am with the Gentiles who do not follow the Jewish law, I too live apart from that law so I can bring them to Christ. I do not ignore the law of God. I do obey the law of Christ. When I am with those who are weak, I share their weakness. For I want to bring the weak to Christ. Yes, I try to find common ground. Remember that phrase. I try to find common ground with everyone doing everything I can to save some. Verse 23, I do everything to spread the good news and share in its blessings. Let us go to the Lord in a word of prayer. Father, how we love you. Thank you for the blessings you've let us have and just the great blessings we've been able to uh, bestow on others because of you and for us to be a blessing to others. Help us, Lord, to receive the message. I pray first that you direct my eyesight, my hearing, and my speech, Lord that I might be attentive to the teaching of this lesson. And, Father, that we might be open to receive and we might glean from it today, that we might receive from you, that we might walk out of here better than when we came in, Lord. 
and uh, we might go out encouraged. We might realize some things that we didn't realize before. I ask it all in Jesus' name, and thank you for answering this prayer. Amen. I want to talk about this morning. I'm going to jump right into it. I want to talk about cultivating the common ground. Cultivating the common ground. And really what I'm talking about more than anything, to give you an idea of what I'm talking about, is being able to relate to people where they are. Being able to relate to the people we're trying to influence for the gospel and being able to relate to them where we are. Now, the first thing I wanted, the first thought that I had about this when I was reading what Paul said when he said, when I'm with the Jews, I'm as a Jew. When I, and one might read that and, and it, 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 at first Miss Carolee might think, well, well, Paul was just anybody's dog that would hunt with him. He was just however he, that really wasn't what he was talking about. He wasn't talking about compromising his faith. He was talking about being able to relate to people right where they are in life. And now, if we're going to effectively win anyone to Jesus Christ, we must be able to relate to where they are in their life. So the first thing is the importance of understanding our audience. And whether our audience is 100 people or 1,000 people or one person, when we're, we're get, people give us their audience, when they give us their ears and we talk about Jesus, we need to be able to understand our audience. Before anyone can influence us, I'm talking about myself in any area, before anyone can influence us in any area of life, we must feel that person has the capacity to understand and relate to us. Do you think that's a fair statement? Before anyone can influence me in any way, before anyone can have impact on my life, I must feel like, Steve, that they can understand where I am in my life and where I'm coming from in my life. Though Paul's gospel message did not change, now listen to me, though Paul's gospel message never changed, in fact, he said in one place, didn't he, if anyone preaches any other gospel, let them be accursed, his gospel message did not change his approach was changeable. His approach did change. Does that make sense? His approach to the people he was going to, our gospel message, our hope in Jesus Christ, that message does not change. The, the hope in the cross does not change. But our approach must change when we, depending on the people that we're coming, we must be relative. We must be able to cultivate the common ground. Someone said, and I began to understand this when I first heard this phrase, I wasn't sure what it really meant. I'm a slow learner. But as I think of it more and more, I began to understand this. Someone said, if the only tool in your toolbox is a hammer, every project looks like a nail. And you think about that a little bit, and it starts to make a little sense there. It did to me. Now, Jesus' parables and his messages were so effective and so popular because he always related to his audience in terms they could understand. In fact, if you think about his parables, most of his parables, almost all, with the exception of a few of his parables, were agricultural. Why? Because he was speaking to an agricultural society. A lot of them had to do with money because money is something that people can always relate to. Remember, there's a lot of parables about money and about the exchange of money, and, 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 and he used those as parables in life. And, and a lot of them were just daily life for people. But he knew his audience. He knew who was listening. And he wanted to use words, Brother Doug, that they could relate to. They could understand. And they say, hey, this guy, this guy understands. In fact, he connected outside the temple 
unlike any other rabbis. I love the message, and I've mentioned this a time or two, that Brother uh, Stan Sutterfield preached over at Turkey Creek because he gave me some understanding. He gave me some insight, something that I always suspected that Jesus was a rabbi. I always suspected that they couldn't have called him rabbi had he didn't, if he didn't have some official training in, in being a rabbi because that was not a term. That was not a title you just threw around. And sometimes it may be translated teacher, but they really use the, uh, the Greek rabbi there. And the reason I'm saying this is when Jesus would go out and teach and he'd go out and talk to people or he encountered them individual, you remember the phrase where they said, he doesn't teach like all the rest. He teaches as one that has authority. What that word authority really meant is he has impact. He's relative. He connects to his audience. And folks, we have to do that. We have to be able to connect to the people we expect to win for Jesus. So with that, I want to give you three thoughts, and this is going to be brief this morning, but I want to give you three thoughts about connecting to your audience or successfully cultivating the common ground. I want to use a statement that we all use, but let's think about it a moment. Though the ground at the cross is level, that means, I know what that, understand what that means. First time I heard it, I understood. We're all equal. We come to God the same way, don't we? We all come to God through Jesus Christ. No man can come to the Father except by me. Though the ground at the cross is level, now I want you to think about this. You may have heard me say this before. The distance to the cross is not equal. Do you think that's a fair statement? Though the ground at the cross is level, we all must come to God through Christ, uh, Miss Maggie, the distance to the cross for everyone is not equal. I'm going to elaborate on that. In other words, there are many factors to be dealt with. There are many barriers that must be broken down. There are many obstacles that we must overcome for many people to come to Christ. In other words, every person comes from a different perspective in life. When it comes to their social their cultural background, their religious background, even their upbringing all contributes to how far it is to the cross from them. And we've got to start understanding this. Paul clearly understood this. Paul clearly knew it was very important that when he was talking to the Jews, he knew what words to use and what language to use and, and how to speak to them. And when he was with the Gentiles, he obviously knew how to talk to them to give them the hope of Jesus. In short... What I'm trying to say here, in short, it is much easier for some to believe than others. Do you find that true in life? It's much easier for some people to receive the gospel message and believe than it is for others. Now, understanding these variables, their background, where we come from, our, uh, how we were raised and, and what kind of culture we were in, understanding these variables... And understanding how they impact one's ability to believe. Now listen to me. Because this is important. And I realized this when Paul was saying what he was saying. We must not become self-righteous or puffed up in our own salvation. Now we had a good discussion about that in our Sunday school class this morning. About who we really are and how we really are. And the things that we, that we act like we're really proud. Now we're all glad to be saved. And it's all wonderful. And we all know that it's by God's grace. But what I'm saying is, is sometimes we kind of act like everybody came from the same way we did. Everybody came from the same family background. Everybody came from the same culture. Everybody had the same religious background. And so we just kind of want this one size fits all approach to the gospel and that's 
that's what Paul was trying to say here. I understand that I must connect, I must cultivate the common ground if I'm going to tell people about Jesus. I want you to think about something in this and the reason I say we should not become puffed up in our own salvation. We had no say, and this has been a train of thought I've been on for months now that I've been in, and God has brought me to this place in my life. We had no say to whom we were born. We had no say who our parents would be, right? Anybody here get a choice? I don't know about you, but nobody came to me. God didn't come to me and say, I'm about to send your soul down to earth. Who do you want to be born to? I didn't get that chance. I had no choice whether I'd be born in poverty or wealth. I had no choice. I had no say, Brother Mike, in what my, the, my parents' religious background would be or what the religious background of my family would be. Neither did I have any choice what, where we would be, social, where we would stand on social or cultural influences or cultural issues. Now, remember, all of this is with the thought, let's don't get puffed up because we're saved. We can't be self-righteous in our own salvation. What I'm trying to say is we must learn to be sensitive toward those whose life circumstances place them in a position that makes believing much more, much more difficult. I look at my life. I had the influence of my mother. I had the influence of my grandmother. I had some positive influence when it comes to God there in my life. I want to use the board for just a minute because I want to implant this in your mind. There are basically two kinds of people in this world. They're either God positive or they are God negative. Now these are two different places that people come from. And people come out of both of these pools to Jesus Christ. And what do you mean by God positive or God? I was God positive. I was raised up. My mom always told me there was a God. She told me about Jesus at a very young age. So since my mama told me that, I was God positive, Jessica. I believe that what my mama said, just like your son will you. I believe what my mama said about God. But I had many friends who did not grow up where someone told them that God was a real thing and that God was existence, and they were on this side of the scale. They were God negative. And the point I'm trying to make to you this morning is it's a lot further to the cross from here than it is over there. For you that are being raised up, Sawyer and Cannon, it's a lot. It's a lot. This You're here. Mama and Papa, everybody around you talks about God and talks about Jesus. That's wonderful that they do. You're over here. But listen, you're going to run into a lot of people in life, boys and girls, that they're over here. They've been brought up with no regard toward God. They've, been, they've not been taught. They've not had any of that positive influence, God positive influence in their life. So what does that mean, Brother Allen? We must learn to be sensitive that not everyone starts from where we may have started from. And some of you here may have started from here. Some of you here today may have started from a God-negative place in your life, and that's what Paul is trying to get us to relate to. We must learn to be sensitive to the fact that it's farther to the cross for some people than it is for others. I'm, our children, Twan and I, raised up our girls to always believe. We raised them up uh, 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 in church. We raised them up to believe. And it wasn't a great surprise to me when they accepted Jesus, or nor my grandchildren. 
It wasn't a great surprise to me because they were raised up in that culture. But you, because we're in that culture, we must not get locked into that mindset that everyone comes from the same place we came from because they certainly do not. There's no one-size-fits-all approach when it comes to winning people to Christ. We must be sensitive to know our audience and try to understand what I may not be able to understand. You know, I think about, I think about people. We, we were talking about today, we were talking about some of those boys. One of the boys that's in the rehab center down there that his life has been a mess and, tells, and says that his dad, his dad was a pastor. He was raised up in church. Now, let me tell you something. He never, I don't think he ever lost his faith in God. He just got off in a bad place in life. He got off down a bad road in life. But let me tell you something, one more thing about this God positive and God negative. I have seen people go from here to here. I've seen that. And they're doubly hard to win to Christ. But you know what you have to do? Let them tell their story. Hear what it is that brought them from here to here. You know, sometimes we just veil up. We just put down the shield. We just, we just gloss over when we encounter someone. They say, well, I used to, I grew up in church. I used to, be, but you know what? I don't believe that there's, I just don't believe that stuff anymore. I came to the place. And, but if you will, there, I want to tell you, that's really a positive thing. Because what they're really wanting to do, Boone, they want to, you to hear why they've made that transition to this place. And if we're ever going to understand and ever be an influence, I'm not saying we can for sure win them, but I want to tell you, there's a story that's very close to me, and I can't say too much about it, but I'll tell you what. There's a man that I know that's going from here to here, and you don't realize how close Tawana and I are winning his family to Christ. But they've been brought up here. God negative. But he was here when he started, and he's moved to here. But let me tell you, friends, Everybody came from a different place and they've got different perspective on this thing. And you and I can't just go out there and say, well, listen, I'm going to just tell it to you like it is and now it's all on you. No, Paul didn't say that. Paul didn't go over and start preaching the Jewish law to the Gentiles, did he? Well, that would have been, that would have been insane. It would have been senseless for him to go and start just, well, I'm going to have to take you all the way back to Adam and Eve now and get you all started off on the right track. He didn't start that with the Gentiles, did he? What did he do? He told them about the hope of Jesus Christ and he told them in a way right where they were in life. Right where they were in their life, he gave them the hope of Jesus Christ. Right where they were. But he was able to relate to his audience. Now thirdly, and this is the third and final thought. I know, Jessica, you can't hardly believe it. But this is the third and final thought. I'm just teasing you, sweetheart. She's been listening intently and amening me back there in her mind. serious that wasn't a joke i was being serious okay we thirdly only when i agree with you that's all right that's when you amen me i felt it i can feel it i feel the love we must refrain we must refrain from being drawn now listen to me folks this is important especially right now in the times we're living in we must be if we're going to be cultivate the common ground we must refrain from being drawn into becoming an active part in the extremist movements that are we're encountering as God's people today. And yes, I'm talking about a whole lot of the political movements. Listen, friends. Listen to me. Every one of us comes from somewhere different. 
And because this person sees life this way, it's where they came from. It's the life. I told at, the, at that funeral the other day, and you may think this is a terrible thing to say at a funeral. I said, we all have to live with the hand we're dealt. We're dealt one hand of cards, if you please, to use an old poker term. Brother Doug knows nothing about poker, I know, back there. But he, no, I'm, I'm just kidding you. But anyway, uh, I see him grinning back there. We all have to, we all have to, Tammy. We get dealt a hand in life. And I don't get, just like sitting at the table being dealt cards, Boone, I don't get a choice. They don't say pick your cards, pick any cards. I get dealt a hand in life. And every hand is different. And every hand is a combination of different influences in their life. And what I'm trying to say is this. We need to, if we're going to cultivate the common ground, we've got to walk some common ground and we've got to stay out of the uncommon ground. We've got to stay out of the areas that really don't apply to the hope of Jesus Christ. We have to leave it alone. And I'm concerned that, that we as the church, we alienate people in our modern church today because we apply or we ascribe to some of these extremist ideas. And let me tell you, both both ends of this spectrum, whether politically or socially or culturally or whatever, they are the extremes because I want to tell you, most of the people I meet do not fit either one of those definitions. Most of the people I meet, but we're all where we are because of the influence and the cultural and the social influence, a different hand we've been dealt. And we play life with the hand that we've been dealt. Verse 22, let's look at that again. Because often we look at people and we look at their failures and we look at their weaknesses and we'll shake our heads. We'll look at them in their addiction. We'll look at them in their, their broken home life. We'll look at them all of this. And as though we somehow, that we avoided that by our own uh, goodness or we avoided that situation in our life by our own intelligence or we've avoided that, but we really didn't. We really didn't. Look at what he said about those people who are considered to be weak. He said, when I am with those who are weak, I share their weakness. For I want to bring the weak to Christ. I want to bring them to Jesus Christ. Yes, I try to find common ground with everyone doing everything I can to save some. You know what we have to do? Brother Mike confirmed this in the Sunday school that this was the lesson God wanted us to have this morning because he used the very phrase that I had written down here. You and I, Christians, if we're going to win folks for Christ, we must develop the sincere ability to say, but for the grace of God, there go I. Right? Right? But for the, yes, amen. But for the grace of God... That's me. But for the grace of God, that's me that's laying in that. But for the grace of God, that's me that's in that prison. But for the grace of God, that's me that's that alcoholic or that addicted person or that person that's that whatever it is in life. Because the danger is, Brad, as you told us in Sunday school, the danger is, is when we walk by that person and somehow have the self-righteous attitude that that could have never been me, we're in dangerous territory. I remember a night and the Spirit brings to my mind an event that happened. Do you remember what Peter did the night before he betrayed Christ? Do you remember when he stood in the audience of all of the rest of the disciples there in that room? And you remember what Jesus said? Jesus said, you shall all betray me. 
And do you guys remember what Peter's response was? He stood up among all of those men standing, all of those other men there, the other apostles, and he said, though they may deny you, I will never deny you. And what did he do that very night? He denied him three times before the rooster crowed, didn't he? That very night. But for the grace of God, there go I. If we're going to win people to Jesus, friends, we're going to win him by walking and cultivating the common ground that we can. And you know what? You say, well, well, preacher, I've never been where that person is. You know what might help? Listen. Listen to them. Listen to how they got where they are in life. It might open our eyes to understand where they are and be able to. Because we're not going to win them. We're going to win their confidence in who we are before we're ever going to win them to who Jesus is. Do you believe that's true? I believe that. Before we ever really win them to Jesus, they're going to have to see. And Jesus was such a popular figure because Gary, he knew how to relate to right where people were right in their life. They weren't threatened by him. They weren't offended by him. They would always say, like they say, this man speaks to us like he knows what he's talking about. That's basically what they said when they said he teaches us authority. He knows where we are. He knows why our place in life and where we've come from. And he can speak to us right there. And we have to go to We have to learn how to do that. We must learn how to put ourselves where those people are because, but for the grace of God, there they are.